Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcast week. Yay. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. So I have a guest today here, Nicole Hagstrom, and we met on Instagram. I love Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We met, she found my work. Actually, I can't remember. Did you tell me at the beginning of our conversation how you, how did you come across an abortion page on Instagram? (laughs) Um, Well, so I found you like a week before I had my abortion. Yes, okay. And the the way I stumbled across your podcast was because I uh, pulled up my podcast app and I searched abortion yeah. and I saw speaking light into abortion and I clicked on it and started listening from episode one. And for about a few days, I listened pretty religiously. Yeah. Um, and then I searched you on Instagram and you followed me back and you sent me a message and it brought tears to my eyes. I just felt like it was what I needed in that moment. Yeah, and, yeah. and that was, was really still, helpful. Now I'm remembering that was still before your procedure. Pretty sure. Yes. Like right, yeah, yeah. I think it, yeah. it was about a week before. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. I don't know. You know, we kind of make up stories in our heads that feel good. I think that's like one of the keys to living a good life. <laughs> So sometimes I make up the story in my head that, you know, all these abortion souls are like, okay, you find her, (laughs) like search this in this place and you'll find what you need. So I am just so glad you were able to find me. So thank you to the internet workings. It's a miracle that we can all find each other. So good. So good. And, um, I think it's amazing. My abortion was just, well, I guess it's almost four years ago now, but even when I search now, I feel like I'm finding more than I did then. So I was surprised with just doing the general Google search, like the amount of resources there actually are. Uh, And especially with the pandemic right now, like I found a teleabortion and aid access and ways that you could have abortions Mm -hmm. in your own home and they actually send the medication to your house. So it's very private for people that do feel guilt or shame towards it. Yeah. So good. So good. that. So did you, all right, (laughs) we're going to totally talk more about your story. So maybe we should just start from the beginning. Um, The episode that released today was also a woman and I think you told me you listened to it this morning. I did. Um, also a woman who had her abortion during the pandemic, which when this started, we would have thought would have been a narrow window of people. But now, I mean, we're probably looking at at least a year. So there's going to be a lot of women who have that story of accessing abortion during a pandemic. So why don't you 
start by just sharing your story, like any pieces of it that you think a listener might resonate with, like might want to hear, might find interesting. Okay. Um, well, to start, I guess, uh, my fiance and I have been pretty adamant about we have never wanted children. Okay. Um, so similar to the story this morning. Yeah, I, I felt like I, <laughs> so I could good. relate. I could relate uh, several different ways with Elise. I love um, that. And I also use a menstrual cup. I oh. actually was on birth control for a decade, like you, and yes. I stopped taking it about a year and a half ago. And I've been doing the fertility awareness method. So yep. tracking your body and just doing it the natural way, which if you follow it to a T it does work. Um, yeah. I did get a little lazy and I stopped taking my temperature in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I think I was overly trusting on where my cycle was at. Yeah. And I think it sounds crazy to say, but I think that I knew that I was pregnant like days after conception. It doesn't because, sound crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I track everything. And so I made the mistake of not realizing that the sperm can live up to five days. Isn't it body. amazing? When yes. I was studying this, it was described to me as sperm hotels, that <laughs> your vagina has all these like crevices, right? And they're basically like little sperm hotels and the sperm can swim into a little nook and stay there alive for five to seven days until you ovulate. Yes. I just so remember though, that blowing my mind. So I do, I'm with you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even if you're not ovulating when yes. you have sex, you can ovulate a few days later. And I think that's what happened. And I just, you know, the elections going on, the pandemic and life itself like I didn't realize what day I was on so it was just a little careless on our end um yeah so that's that's how I got pregnant um and I felt like two weeks along I knew for sure I was but I think part of me was still in denial about it yeah and then when I finally decided to take a pregnancy test and it came back positive I didn't completely accept it. So the course of, I don't know, three days, I probably took 10 and they all came back positive. <laughs> right. You're like, mm, so how many false negatives might I get? Yes. <laughs> or the false positives, right? False positives. You're like hoping it's actually, I remember that too. I think I took yeah. four, but I was like, please tell me these are wrong. They're from the yeah. dollar store. Please tell me they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had a combination of some from Amazon that I, didn't totally trust. And then I did go to the grocery store and buy some first response yeah. ones. So I was like, okay, yeah. for all of them to come back positive, yeah. this is what it is. And yeah. Yeah. I think I had a moment of panic and crying on the bathroom floor, but I told myself everything's okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And collected myself. And I took a couple of days to just process it. I did open up to one of my girlfriends before I shared it with my fiance. I I knew he would be completely understanding, but 
in the moment, there's that fear yeah. of yeah. not just disappointing yourself, but disappointing your partner. Mm-hmm. And just the stigma that's created, I think, is where all those negative yeah. emotions stem from. Yeah. So I had, I don't know, about four or five days before I felt ready to talk to him. And when I did, he was so understanding and said, mm-hmm. okay, that's, that's okay. What do you want to do about yeah, it? Yeah. And reassured me that first and foremost, it was my decision and he would support either, uh, either decision I made. Um, and yeah, that I feel like having his support just changed everything for me, how I, mm-hmm. I was able to fully accept it at that point And knowing that he had my back, no matter what direction I yeah, went. Yeah. It was just a huge weight taken off my back. Like I didn't feel like I was doing it alone anymore. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, that's why you're here, right? Is like you telling this story, this perfectly human, (laughs) careless, if you choose to call it that. And I can understand why Um, I I could call myself careless too. Like I wasn't checking the strings on my IUD, but the truth is like we were doing the best we could and we were doing a pretty good job. We knew what we wanted in our lives and we were taking steps toward that. Um, But you being here, I really do. I just want to remind you that I really, really, truly believe it does break down the stigma. So you sharing your story means a little less stigma for the next person who see, who takes 10 pregnancy tests <laughs> in a panic. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> that's the initial response, I think, is to panic. And then yeah. <laughs> um, it takes a little bit. But then when you accept it, it's easier to talk about but it is interesting because I do feel like I'm sharing it at such an interesting time with you because I'm still processing it mm-hmm. it's only been two weeks as of today yeah and in um it's just a weird time in life right now I feel like so close to the election and my abortion was only a week before Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in and it there's just so much going on in the world that it kind of put it in perspective like it's not really fair that this is something that is so easily accessible to me mm-hmm. but for so many other women it's actually impossible yeah. and I do fear that it's it may um, be taken away from a lot of other women in the, the months to come Yeah, I think that's the scariest thing about politics, right? Is like women like you and I will always have access to abortion. We will find a way. And that's not the case for everyone. And that just like, that's what makes you want to vomit a little. That's what like crunches your heart into little pieces. And for me, that is one of the biggest reasons to speak out and tell my story and hold, host a platform for other people to tell their stories. Um, and again, I really truly believe that the way we increase access is to normalize it. And you bravely telling your story 
so soon after the procedure. And I know that, um, you know, I think if I remember correctly, you said like, what else can I do? And I said, you can come on the podcast, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> how else can I help? Like times are crazy. What else can I do? And I said, you're always welcome to share your story on the podcast. And I really do think that does help increase access. So someone will be able to access an abortion because of you. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for bringing me on. It, uh, it did intimidate me a little bit when I read that message from you, but <laughs> I, I do feel like it allows me the opportunity to either connect with other women who have had an abortion or will have, or are even contemplating having one. Yeah. Or even just being able to share my story for others. Hopefully it resonates with somebody. Yeah. What has your relationship been like? Like, I know it's only been two weeks and there's, you're, you're in it right now. You're bravely sharing in the middle of the thick of it. Um, like you said, in so many ways, personally and politically and pandemically. <laughs> um <laughs> I say that it actually did make my relationship stronger. Have you noticed any shifts in your relationship having gone through this experience? I am pretty fortunate to have a partner that has always been someone that's like believed in me well before I have believed in myself. Mm. He's always, always been adamant on, um, how powerful women are and he gives me the space to be mm -hmm. myself and he's also there to support me whenever I need him mm -hmm. um, as far as our relationship goes now I think it's created a space where it's easier for us to have these harder conversations even if it's not it's not the topic of abortion or mm -hmm. what happened with us, it, I just feel like we're more understanding and we're in a space where we can hear each other. And it, it's just easier to communicate our feelings right now. Yeah, That's what I've noticed. That's incredible. And to take that realization and to offer it to the people in your life, like, and like you said, it doesn't have to be about abortion, but we went through this really hard thing and we used it as an opportunity to open more space for communication, more space for connection and honesty and truth. Um, that's a powerful strength to take from this and share with other people related to abortion or not, because we all go through hard things. And abortion, right. another thing on that list of game changers. Um, and so you get to give that gift to other people now. Like, I know it's hard. It took me five days to really talk to him even about what was happening for me. But opening those doors has created this strength in us. Right. And I think that that's the piece too, is I'm still going through it, still trying to process it. What I didn't take into consideration was how I would feel like mentally and physically just even days mm. days after the abortion I caught myself 
just being a little extra moody yeah and maybe being a little harsh on my partner mm-hmm. not realizing it in the moment but I started <laughs> again I turned to google and mm-hmm. it did talk about a lot of women experience postpartum depression even when they have abortions so yeah. I I don't really know if that was something I was experiencing but I do think that you know your body is working on creating new life and then you take this pill and it changes everything I think much like how we experience PMS and mood swings during our periods we experience a lot of that when we have an abortion so yeah that's been a little challenging to work through Mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be a little more aware and conscious of it when it happens yeah, so I'm not yeah. <laughs> so tough on my partner mm-hmm. I think aware conscious curious just like right. you were just saying and having curiosity and that compassion again another gift that you get to share and just that you get to hold on to like I could be compassionate with myself in that really, really hard time is a beautiful thing. Yes, and vulnerability is, it's so hard and challenging, but I think it's its also so empowering and attractive. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I just got chills. <laughs> yeah, so true. And it, it does like, it magnetizes people to you because they all have something that they're afraid to say, that they're afraid to feel, that they're afraid to get curious about. And you just open that door and shine a little light on it. Yeah, so attractive. I agree. I was curious. Well, I'm curious about a couple of things, but one um, really stuck out. Hearing you talk about your partner, all I could think was, I want to raise that man. Like I have two daughters and a son, right? I want to raise a man who believes in someone before they believe in themselves. Someone who has the space to even talk about this and be supportive in that way. I realize that you are not him. (laughs) I realize that you can't speak for him. Um, But do you have any thoughts in general about how we shape this conversation for and around men and how they can be in that place for the women who need them. Wow, that's that's so hard to answer. I feel like oh, well my my partner was raised uh by a single mom for mm. his younger years and so I feel like a lot of the way he sees women and their strength comes from the mother that raised him. (laughs) I want to hug his mom. (laughs) So the first couple days I met him, he was upfront about him being a mama's boy. And he spoke very highly of her from the start. So... It's, 
that's such a tricky question to answer because yeah. I feel like it takes a man that is open to having difficult conversations yeah. and yeah. just allowing the, the woman the space to be herself and to speak her mind and mm -hmm. to let her make that decision. Yeah. I mean, the piece about like being open to difficult conversations, like us having this conversation, right, is modeling that. You know, we can talk about hard things, even hard things that we don't understand. Um, you're still in it. You're still processing. It's even less clear for you maybe than it is for me. I still feel like I'm learning new things about this every single day. And it's okay to have the hard conversations that make you think a little, that make you question a little, that make you wonder or break down old beliefs. Um, so I guess my answer after listening to your answers that just like everything else, we keep modeling. And that's what his mom probably did for him. Just yeah. model like we can do hard things we can yeah and it i think it makes all the difference if you do have the resources and support yeah to do that do you mind sharing how long you'd been together before this came to be uh, about two and a half years mm -hmm. um, do you remember when you had the conversation around we're not really interested in having children probably it was within the first four or five months of our relationship, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And was a part of that conversation, like we'll do the best we can, but should we have an unplanned pregnancy, abortion is on the table? Or was that not really talked about? I, it wasn't ever talked about because when we, when we initially met, I was on birth control and it, really was wasn't something I ever thought about because when you're on the pill you're like oh well that'll never happen think you're to invincible me. yes <laughs> yes and he's actually the reason why I stopped taking it is because he brought it to my attention how damaging mm. synthetic hormones are for a woman's body so the last year and a half I've been on this health journey and just trying to do things the more natural route, even things like getting rid of certain deodorants and shampoos and like yeah. chemicals in general around the house. So it's funny. It took a man to, for me to <laughs> reevaluate how I was doing things and to do my own research and find like, well, there are other ways to prevent pregnancy that don't require him getting a vasectomy or me being on the pill or getting an IUD. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Another high five for his mama and for him, you know, regardless of his upbringing. That's awesome. <laughs> and the truth great. is like, I know you said you were careless, but all birth control has a failure rate in we, with, whether it's fertility awareness or condoms or an IUD or birth control or um, pills, it all has a failure rate. So it's not like it's even actually failed. Like it worked exactly how it was supposed to. You were just in the 
1%, the 3%, whatever that you didn't ever dream you would be. Um, so yeah, it happens. Life happens. And that's the abortion conversation that I think more people need to hear. Like, I think there's this belief that like people who get abortions are so irresponsible and they're just not paying attention and we shouldn't have sex anyway. And like, that's the conversation that we can break down a little bit by saying, Hey, I'm a good person. Like I still believe in myself after my abortion. I didn't royally mess up. I'm just human. And yeah, maybe I could have done a little better, but we say that about everything in our life. Maybe I could have done a little better, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything. And I, I think um, part of having that conversation with him, it was a lot easier because in that moment he was telling me, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not your fault. You're not a bad person for choosing to have an abortion. Like we knew, we both knew that me using the fertility awareness method, like there is a possible chance of that happening. So it happens, like you said. Yeah, and used to full capacity, I think it's like more effective than some birth control pills. So it's a great method. Did you listen to that podcast? I did have a podcast about a fertility awareness. Uh, did you? I must have I missed forgot that one. Name. It's amazing that... Um, we're almost a year in. So now when I reference an episode, I almost never remember what number it was, but there is a, there is an episode about fertility awareness. So you'll have I to go back to and go. listen. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned being able to access um, abortion pills at home. Is that what you chose to do? I was planning on going that route. Uh -huh. What I, the issue I kept running into was before you could have uh, the pills delivered, you had to have an ultrasound. And oh, okay. um, I don't have health insurance and I was looking for ways to have an ultrasound that weren't gonna cost me a lot of money. And so I started calling around and I called a women's health clinic and mm. they actually weren't very nice because they couldn't understand why I wanted an ultrasound, but why I didn't want to have follow-up care. And mm -hmm. then I think it clicked and the lady asked me if I would, was going to be terminating the pregnancy. And just the way she started talking to me seemed a little condescending. So that's when I looked up where the nearest Planned Parenthood was. So I did have to drive about an hour and a half to get there. I took the first pill there yeah, and then took the rest at home. So I got to still experience it in my own space at home. Yeah. yeah. That was exactly my story too. I took the first pill in office and then came home. What did you do? How did you set up your space? And did you choose to be alone or did you um, have your partner with you? I, I did choose to be alone. I, I never asked him to come with me. I told him when my appointment was, he texted me and checked in on me. I, I just set up a little comfy space on yeah. the couch. I had the fireplace going, was just laying down, relaxing, yeah. listening to music, nothing, nothing too crazy. Mm -hmm. Just 
I was able to just relax and breathe in my own, the comfort of my own home. So yeah, I love that. I remember I'm very much the kind of person who likes to have people around. Like I don't really like, I am an introvert, but I don't like to be alone. Like I like having my people around me. Um, But during my miscarriage, which was now more than, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago, during my miscarriage and during my abortion, like I just wanted to be alone. And she was like, I just want to do this in alone, my space, Um, which is interesting. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, Yeah. What do you think? (laughs) I understand that. And I understand that because I am, I'm actually a huge introvert and I'm pretty shy and quiet and soft-spoken. And there are parts of me that are just extremely independent, but there are parts of me that i I probably drive my partner crazy because I just cling to him and want his constant attention and affection. Um, But I think you can be both. You can be a little bit of this and that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, there was something for me about like, I can do hard things and no matter what I can do them my way. And just kind of like, there was some power in it that I haven't really thought too much about, but just felt really important that I took that time in my own space. Hmm. Interesting. Have, you brought me right back. It. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, is there anything you want to share? Like when you found the podcast, do you remember hoping there was something you would hear? Or were you just like, I'm just going to listen and see what happens? I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure what I needed to hear, but everything I heard, it just, it, it helped me accept what it was and that it, everything was going to be okay. And then that there was nothing wrong with my decision. Yeah. I think being able to find your podcast and listen to so many different stories before I ever had my abortion, mm. it allowed me to work through it so much easier. Um, and it made me more curious about the process because when I was in the office, mm. before I had my ultrasound, they ask you if you want to see the screen, if you want to know if there are more than one um, questions like that. And I said yes to everything. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to see the screen. And I even told her that I wanted a picture. Yeah. So I have a picture of it. Um, Have you looked at it or do you just have it for when you're ready? I have. Yeah. I looked at it on the screen and when she handed it to me. Yeah. And I've looked at it a couple other times. Mm-hmm. There's really, it's so hard to see because I was so early. Yeah. And that's what she told me when I was in the office, that I was so early. Yeah. Um, it was only not even, I think it was at max four and a half weeks. And that's a so. testament to knowing your body, 
right? And to the fertility awareness method, like you knew your right. body so well that you could detect it that early. That's really amazing. I, I knew right away. And yeah. I, I was so uncomfortable even for those four and a half weeks, things were going on and things were yeah. changing so quickly. And it's, it's just pretty amazing what a woman's body is yeah. capable of. Yeah. It gives you some perspective too, as to how well you do know yourself. Sometimes yeah. you don't realize how well you know yourself and your body until something like that happens and you like know immediately and it's like, oh, I am pretty in tune here. Yeah. And yeah. even my fiance, the night I told him, he said, well, on another note, at least you know that you have taken care of your body and you've healed it from, you know, a decade of synthetic hormones to being able to conceive and knowing my body. So that was an interesting perspective that he brought to my attention. So I wasn't so disappointed in myself. It was like, wow, I have been taking care of myself. and I know my body and I know myself and I'm doing, I'm doing things. That's amazing. This feels like a question you do not have to answer, but I'm curious, has it changed your desire for a family someday at all like has this changed you or does this just feel like a powerful choice you got to make for what you wanted and that that feels the same like what you want still feels the same what I want still very much feels the same and I felt that way since I was young and my mom has told me forever that like when you get older, that's going to change. Yeah, and I've yeah. every time told her, no, it's really, it's not yeah. what I want. I know in every part of me, I, I do not want children. Yeah. So, so no, it hasn't changed that for me, but it, it does get me more curious and more passionate about abortion in general. And creating a space where women can openly talk about something like this, because this is something that's hard to talk about or nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. I hadn't shared, um, I hadn't done many podcasts recently that were more directed towards women's story versus like some kind of healing tool or like a topic specific thing. And I think it's really interesting that you and um, Elise both had this knowing, and I think there is a gigantic market. Not, I mean, maybe market's the wrong word, but like there's a gaping hole <laughs> that could use some love and leadership around women who just know they don't want children. Like, there's so much to be talked about there, and so many ways that we can empower women who know that they don't want children. Um, I think that itself is a stigmatized thing, you know? Yeah. Well, society tells us that we have to, we are here to conceive and raise a family. And that's never been what I wanted. Yeah. I think that's amazing. So I'll be really curious to see how those spaces evolve because I think they're really important, really important. Sometimes my daughter tells me she doesn't want children and like, I, I do believe her. 
like even though the little like mama heart of mine is like, okay, well, I have two other kids. Maybe I'll get some grandchildren. <laughs> but I do honor and believe that, you know, I do hold space that that could change. But I think that's so important to empower people who know that about themselves. Um, so maybe that is a space you will keep speaking to. Are you a writer? Do you write or? I do. I have about five different journals going. Yeah, I have yeah. tons of notes on my phone and my computer. I, yeah. I, since I am an introvert, I take to writing a lot just yeah. so I don't have all these thoughts floating around in my head. Yeah. And um, your Instagram account is beautiful and perhaps a place that you you know, it not maybe not that account, but like that's a platform you navigate so beautifully. Thank I wonder you. if that's a a place that you could start hosting this conversation in the future. It's maybe in the future. <laughs> <laughs> not have, we have plenty of time. Um, yeah, plenty of time. It's one thing to share with people that are like minded or have yeah. experienced yeah. the same things, but. I even just thinking about my parents, like what they would think of me or yeah, I thought that's a hard conversation to have. And that's a hard topic to just yeah. publicly share. So yeah. maybe in the future, <laughs> maybe in the future, anything's possible, right? It is. You can talk, you can use this story in so many ways. And I genuinely believe that if you just keep listening, it will keep evolving. And it may just be that this was it, that it is something you close a chapter on and walk away from. But if you keep listening, you'll know. And I know that you're a curious person who will keep listening. I will. And if you're not meant to talk about it, it feels so good to, well, it's just like, um, it's just like knowing you're not meant to have children, right? It feels so good to like consciously and confidently say, nope, that's not my work in the world. Not for me. Yeah, not for <laughs> me. <gasps> not for me. That'd be a beautiful t-shirt. I want that t-shirt. Not for oh. me. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> t-shirt collab. <laughs> we need to make that t-shirt, I think. We do. Not for me. Oof. Gosh, that is so powerful. Wow. And I, it would be really fascinating to see how many different ways people wear that t-shirt. And by wear, I mean, like, what is their story behind that? Not for me. Whoa. Wow. Super cool. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for those words. We'll see. Yes. Maybe we need to do something with those. <laughs> I think so. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up here? Um, I think I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, you openly and so unapologetically share your story and share other women's stories or allow them the space to share. Yeah. Do you ever receive hate mail or threats yeah, and if so like how how do you process that how do you work through that yeah such a good question 
um, I kind of knew as soon, which if you're listening to the podcast, you know, I kind of knew as soon as I had this unplanned pregnancy and chose abortion, I was like, oh, geez, there's something here. I thought I was going to write a book. Um, for me, it was facing the worst case scenario. So in my mind, I had to imagine if I tell this story, someone's going to call me a murderer. If I do this work, somebody's going to like spray paint my house. If I do this work, which sounds ridiculous, right? Like why would you imagine the worst case scenario? But I had to kind of coach myself through what would I do if somebody spray painted my house? Like, what would I do if somebody threatened me? What would I do if one of the most hurtful things somebody said to me was um, someday, you know, your kids are going to hate you for murdering their sibling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ooh, that stung. Like that definitely stung. Cause I don't know at this point, they're all pretty accepting, but I don't know if that will change for them. And so for me, it was like going to that worst case scenario place and then walking through, like, how would I navigate that? And then the very first thing I really, I did share my story on Facebook. I was shocked by how well received it was. I was shocked by how few people reacted negatively. Um, and then the first thing I really shared publicly was I submitted something to Mothering Magazine. And they published it a few months later, and there were a fair amount of really nasty comments. <laughs> really nasty toward mothering. Like, how dare you? You know, this is a magazine about mothering. How dare you talk about abortion? Um, and also toward me. Um, and I was equally as shocked by how well I handled that. So it was like a test for me. I remember that, like they said, it's going to publish on this date. And I remember thinking, well, that'll be the test. <laughs> I can either handle this and do the work or I can't, and I'm not ready. So I don't know if that answered your question, but for me, it was a combination of like baby step sharing sharing with a friend that I wasn't sure would support me, sharing on my Facebook page, sharing um, with a stranger, sharing publicly in a you know, digital magazine, sharing in Instagram. And if you went back and looked at like, even my Instagram account, like my voice has just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger because I, every time I post something, it's practice. So right. I get positive messages from um women so far or at least weekly multiple times a week and now that i'm saying this it might happen but i have not received negative feedback in a really long time really long time and i do think when I started sharing publicly, I had my like defenses up. I was like ready to eat you alive if you said anything negative. <laughs> and I think energetically that attracted some of the negativity. And now I'm just so confident with my voice that I almost never receive negative feedback. And when I do, amazing. literally my practice when I do is to send love. 
I just send love. Sometimes mm -hmm. I reply back, sometimes I don't. Yeah, you'd think if you looked at my Instagram that I'm like deleting negative comments or like managing all kinds of awful DMs, but I'm really honestly not. I'm really not. I like that though. I think yeah, that's good to be able to listen to both sides. Yeah, and I think if I had one piece of advice for anyone who wanted to step out and speak more publicly, it would be, um, I'm glad I did that worst case scenario thing, but what I didn't do was assume the best. Mm. At, at the beginning, I assumed the worst so that I was prepared for it. But like I said, that had me in this like defensive, edgy mode which is okay. It was how I was brave enough to do what I have done so far. But if I could go back and give myself a word of advice, it would be like, don't assume the worst. Like, remember, there's a whole other host of the best case scenario. And I think if I could go back again, I would put some more of my attention on the best case scenario than the worst yes and yeah. that's that's so hard to do we it is we don't <laughs> think like that but <laughs> yeah yeah yep yeah it's been quite a journey I even remember saying to my husband like I think one of the places I'm blocked is that I feel like and I've said this to my daughter and I might cry but one of the places that kept me stuck for a little while was like what if me being me puts them in harm's way like, what if something happened to my family because I'm sharing this voice? And I think both of them were just like, well, you got to do it anyway. Like, it's, this is not optional at this point. <laughs> um, and they've been very supportive of that. But that was a really hard hurdle for me to overcome. I think that's also yeah. what has tripped me up a little bit is not so much well, what are people going to think of me, but how are they going to view my partner and treat him? Yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't deserve that either. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I know with my daughter, a lot of her friends follow my account. She's 16. Um, wow. I think I have been by far a more positive influence for the people around her than negative. Um, and for my husband, he will sometimes come home from somewhere and be like, you're so amazing. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what is this coming from? And he, people talk to him about what I do out in the world. They're like, Amanda's so brave. She's so awesome. And he's like, oh, I heard that you're pretty brave and awesome because he doesn't follow <laughs> any of my stuff. Um, so it actually has been really positive for him as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, thanks for that question. It's yeah. interesting to kind of walk down that avenue for myself. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough. I promise you. This is amazing. This is how we do the work. This is how we break down the stigma. This is how we increase access. And you just did it. And it wasn't that scary, was it? At first, it was a little intimidating, <laughs> but I... I feel so much better now. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes when people um, hire me as a client, they're like, 
all weirded out because they've been listening to my voice on the podcast for so long. And then it's like kind of wiggy and creepy. They're like, uh, you're like the voice of the podcast. <laughs> How am I talking to you? This is so weird. <laughs> Which makes me feel like I know you more because I can relate. Yeah. I, I know all these different stories. And yeah. I think yeah. that makes it a little easier <laughs> to be able to have this conversation with you. Good. I'm so glad. All right. Have a beautiful day and um, stay safe in this wild and wacky election time. I will. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.